ourselves to you so you can use us. I want to thank you, Father, for this great church. Thank you for their support of the work of missions. Thank you for their gifts to the orphans. Thank you for their prayers for their mission team. Thank you, Father, that they heard you when you issued the call. And so today we stand on this side of the mission saying thank you for being so kind. We do thank you for the souls that were saved on the mission. We thank you for the pastors and churches that were encouraged. We thank you for the missionaries that were prayed for over there. We thank you for all the supplies and the relief that came right in the nick of time. Thank you for the souls that were witnessed to. Thank you for the hearts that were healed and mended. God, we are humbled to be in your service. Now, would you breathe on us this morning? Somebody needs a word. Somebody needs to be encouraged. Somebody needs to know that they can make it in the midst of a difficult situation. Be with them now. Break the yokes of bondage. Break the thing that holds somebody prisoner. Give them the answer to a dark and terrible situation. And we'll trust you for it. Breathe on me now, God. My mind is willing, but my body's a little tired. But if you stand in me, and give me preaching power then preaching will be done and we will call it the grace of God one more time in Jesus name we pray amen Acts chapter 16 verse 9 if you will turn there Acts chapter 16 verse 9 daughter will do that video at the end of the sermon Acts 16 verse 9 want to thank the choir for that excellent job. Thank you. I love to hear y'all sing. Amen. So glad to have Brother Doug with us this morning and his beautiful queen. Amen. We missed you. Welcome home, son. Amen. Acts 16, verse 9. If you have it, say, I got it, Pastor. I'm sorry, verse 16. Acts 16, verse 16. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. She met us and she brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and she cried out saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. 
And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. And then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Somebody say at midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. I want to talk about dealing with trouble in the ministry. Dealing with trouble in the ministry. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to come back and do a better job, I pray, on next week with this text. But for your listening lecture today, dealing with trouble in the ministry. Over these last 25 years, Sister Wilson, I've discovered that in many ways, life's difficulties have a way, love, of discouraging the child of God. For it's in the storms of life and the daily injustices of society that the child of the living God can literally be weighted down with all types of satanic opposition and oppression. Brown, I've discovered that Satan and his allies have a way, son, of taking the joy out of the heart of the Christian servant. And it's because of these obstacles that you and I are forced to have to cultivate lives, lives of worship that can overcome the struggles of life's unbearable and difficult times. Can I paint the picture? Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey when the devil gets busy opposing their work. They are literally under attack in this text. They get beat up. They get imprisoned. And while they are in prison, they are waiting for more judgment to come. Paul and Silas in this text are impacted by spiritual warfare for doing the work of God. Did you catch that right there? Parenthetically, I think it's very interesting to know that the devil don't bother you if you ain't doing nothing. 
he only seems to bother the people that are doing stuff for God. And I'm not one advocating for devil trouble in your life. That's not what I'm saying. But if you are doing something for God, you can expect there to be some opposition. Y'all mind if I labor right there for just a minute? If you declare I'm going to raise my children in the house of God, don't think he's just going to let you do that. If you say I'm going to plant a church in the name of Jesus, don't think he's just going to let you do that. I'm going to lead a life group. I'm going to be a ministry leader in my church. I'm going to be committed to the LFO campaign. Don't think he's just going to let you do that. Anything you declare and are determined to do for God is going to be met with some opposition. Can I talk to you today? Three simple points and I'm going to get out of your way. As these brothers teach us how to deal with trouble in the ministry, we see, first of all, the brother's situation. The brother's situation. In fact, your points are there on the board for you, or they were on the board for you. The brother's situation is number one. Number two is the brother's spirit. Amen. How their spirit reacted to their situation. And then number three, we want to talk about the brother's salvation. Amen. How they got rescued from that very trouble. Here's what I notice in the text. At a glance, we'll come back next week and re-hit it again. But at a glance, when you look at the text in its overview, first of all, we see a sovereign situation. You follow me there, Tate? What do you mean, Pastor? It's a sovereign situation. Well, they were on a mission for God. In other words, they were given the privilege to be in a strategic place where God could use them for his honor and his glory. Uh, the beginning of the chapter opens up telling us that Paul had a vision over in the midnight. And the vision showed a man from Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And so they were trying to do ministry in a certain location, but the Bible says that the Holy Spirit forbade them. In other words, wouldn't let them complete the job. And then Paul got a vision to come over here and do something different. That's divine. That's what you call a sovereign appointment. When God calls you to a place to serve. Amen. So God was calling them to a specific place to serve, which means that God was giving them up the privilege to join him in what he was doing. Yes, that's right. In the earth. The place in which he was working is the place that you and I of know today as Philippi. The book of Philippians comes out of the 16th chapter of Acts. And it's in Philippians where on Philippi, where a sister named Lydia, who's a businesswoman, she has a job selling purple. Paul and Silas go down by the beach and they are witnessing on the Sabbath and sharing the good news when they run into the sister who sees them. She recognizes that they have some religious tendencies. And after having a conversation with them, evangelism kicked in. And Paul and Silas and them saw that she had a heart to believe God. They shared the gospel with her and she was baptized that same day down by the river. Lydia was so moved by the gospel that she invited Paul and Silas into her home and the first church of Philippians or Philippi was born in her house. So the devil wasn't happy. Are you listening there? 
as the church gets born, they're continuing to do witnessing and evangelism in the marketplace when opposition comes. The brother's situation were they were given the privilege to be in a position where God could receive praise and worship, watch this now, from their trials. Are you in here? First of all, brother patient, when God invites you to do something, that's more than you deserve. Y'all in here? It's a privilege when God invites you to be a part of the Great Commission. No, it's not like God needs you. But if he invites you, come on, talk to me. You ought to come running with great joy that the, the spirit of the living God will use you in the earth. So their situation was they're in a privileged position even though they're getting whooped. In other words, it's a privilege to get whooped on his behalf. Y'all in here? I know some of y'all say, now, Pastor, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's in the book. It's a privilege to receive suffering. Watch this. Our suffering on this side is painful, but it ain't eternal. Y'all listening? Come on, lean in a little bit here. Your every suffering or every trial, Brother Grady, that you might incur on this side for obeying God is a trophy, son. When God invites you to be a part of what he's doing in the earth and you go through some trouble for it, it's temporary trouble. Because no sorrow for the child of God is eternal. Are y'all with me here? Oh, the time is coming when I'm going to shake off these old troubles. Tell somebody it's just a season, so hold on. Next thing I see in this text, Reverend Tom, is that the apostles understand their calling. What do you mean, Reverend? They knew they were soldiers in the army of God. And it was their duty to rescue the captives and set them free. So when they rescue this girl who's under demonic oppression and who is held hostage by some human slave captors, it's their duty to set them free. I'm gonna mess with somebody right here. Somebody in this house today, you got authority. You've been given the green light to rescue people who are oppressed, but you shirking on your responsibilities. Paul and Silas knew that this girl who was under oppression, they had come or they knew their savior had come to set the captives free. And because they had joined him in the work of mission and ministry on the earth, it wasn't even a question if the devil should stay in her or not. You know that ain't a question you got to ask when you run across somebody who's demon to possess, does God want to deliver them? What? He's come to set all men who are captive free. Somebody looking at me right now, you got somebody in your family who's bound this morning and God wants them free. Yeah, are you listening here? I'm giving you the green light right now. Yeah, God wants them free. And God placed them in your family, gave you the green light, gave you the authority. It ain't for pastor to come to your family and set them free. Are you listening? He wants to use you. Tell somebody, so exercise your authority. Exercise your authority. The apostles understood that this was an opportunity for the soldiers of Jesus Christ, right, to work on behalf of the king of glory. 
Now, though the text teaches us that they were in the cage of adversity, we look at their lives and understand that traps and dilemmas can be strategic locations for the witness of Jesus Christ. Stay in here with me. What do you mean, Pastor? When the problems of life confine us, then is the hour for prayer and worship. Why? For it's through the seasons of adversity that we will grow in our dependence and relationship with the master. In other words, the same God that called them, Darian, to the mission field could have delivered them from the prison, but he didn't. And he doesn't deliver them because he's going to use their captivity. Y'all in here? This flies in the face of health, wealth, and prosperity. So I need you to listen real good. When God chooses to not deliver you, he chooses to use you. Even in the thing that's bringing you the most grief. Are you with me here? You, you sit there sometimes, Pastor, I'm crying out. Why won't God change this? Because he wants to use this. Does that make sense? Surely you think that when, when he set Paul and Silas cast the devil out, that God won't let nothing bad happen to him. Not necessarily. So if something happens to you while you are mission with God, just know that God wants to use even the trouble in your life. Can I turn the light on there? When we look at this text, we too have been given the privilege to represent Christ in the midnight hour of this age. What do you mean, Reverend? Through times of darkness, loneliness, pain, isolation, difficulty, trouble, persecution, mistreatment, confusion, and much more, we are the privileged ones, family, to live for God in the midnight hour of global chaos. Can I talk to us today? The world ain't never been so crazy as in your hour. Right now, there is international terrorism against the church of Jesus Christ. Well, being a Christian in the Middle East is a call to die. World religions meet right now to d d discuss your demise, how they can blow up places and spaces in your country just because you worship Christ. This is ordained international wickedness that's pursuing and fighting against the church of Jesus Christ. This, these are rampant and evil doctrines that are springing up against the church right now. Do you know, family, we are literally facing murder, envy, jealousy, racism, rage, greed, idolatry, immorality, homosexuality, like never before. It's midnight. Y'all in here? And everything about the world is anti-Christ. Let me park the car and give you some social commentary. I had a friend who's not a member of this church email me saying, Pastor, I need to talk with you. Whenever I get an email like that, I'm like, okay. There was a member at your church who said you showed a video on Sunday morning about some people getting their heads cut off for the, for the gospel. And she doesn't believe that God would do that. 
And, and she was upset with you showing the video. So she said, I ain't going back to that church no more. I want to go to a church where they don't do that. What she was saying is, I want to go to a church that does not inform me about the signs of the times. You ain't got to like nothing you see on the video. But if it's informing you about the cost of your faith, you ought to do something about what you're being informed with. Am I making sense there? And so I emailed back. I said, well, have her call me so we can meet. She wouldn't return my call. So I kept calling. I kept calling. Her sister never came back. But I understood why. She's like one of the Christians who's like the ostrich who sticks their head in the sand and tries to ignore that there's an enemy trying to kill them. Are you listening to me? And I want you to know, family, that today, if you say you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. Why? Because it costs him something. Christianity is free, but it costs Jesus everything. And it costs your everything. And this is the Christianity that the third world countries understand. They, they don't understand this brand of Christianity that you and I call the gospel. Are you with me here? But Paul and Silas clearly understood that the situation in which they were living in was a real deal situation. Their life was always on the line, and that's when their faith became real. You know what I know? Your faith ain't real because your life ain't on the line. In fact, your pastor say something you don't like, you just come up missing a couple weeks. Can I talk to you? Your faith only becomes real when your life is on the line for it. You don't know what you really are all about when it's time to die for what you believe. Can I say some more? Paul and Silas understand the call, understand the cause, and as a result, right, they get beat. They get whipped. They get thrown before the courts, right? And then the magistrates get so upset, they rip their clothes, right? And then they throw them not only in jail, but in the hole in jail, in the inner prison. I'm in the text. Are you listening here? And the jailer who gets so happy to have them decide that having them in the hole, in the prison, ain't enough. But he gonna put them bodies in the stocks. Oh, I missed something. I'm gonna beat them first. Are you with me here? They took the same stripes that Jesus would have taken. Y'all seen the stocks from the old English movies? Those little wooden things where you put your feet in, you put your head in. Are you listening now? They're fast in the stocks, in the hole, in the prison, and they've been beat. Well, why are they there, Pastor? Because they cast the devil out of some girl. They weren't pimping. They weren't doing human trafficking. They weren't selling dope in Philippi. Come on, talk to me. They ain't offended nobody. They ain't hurt nobody. They set somebody free, and as a result, it cost them. Can I park the car well right there? Christianity will cost you when you decide you want to bless somebody with good news. When you want to see the captive set free. You know, we're the only faith in the world that people want to kill you for. You don't ever hear about Christians want to kill Muslims for being Muslim. 
with the only faith. Christianity is the only one where they want to kill you and wipe you out. Why? Because you have a gospel that brings good news, that sets people free. Am I making sense here? So as a result of their situation, we look at them in the inner prison and we can learn something. Can I, can I unpack verse 16 now? The text says, verse 25, the text says, after they had thrown in jail, had been beaten in, Brother Doug, that at midnight, you should circle that right there. Paul and Silas, yeah, were praying and singing. Y'all see that there? Let, let, me, let me work a little bit right here. Notice this. You don't find them protesting. I like what my old seminary, Dr. Rowland said, we ain't Protestants. And I was like kind of angry. He said, what do you mean we ain't Protestants? He said, we ain't protesting nothing. <laughs> and I got it. Christians don't have no business protesting. Some say, but I'm American. I got a right. No, you Christian before you American. The truth is, as a Christian, I don't have no rights. I'm a slave unto God. You keep your rights because your rights make you an enemy of God. When you try to tell God, I got the right to do something. How are you now a servant and a slave? Last time I checked, Bobby, slaves ain't had no rights. This ain't in my text, so I'm wandering off. I'm all going off my key here. But here's where democracy hijacks your faith. Well, you choose, I know, I know living in democracy is good. I like my country. Hey, believe me. Oh, hey. I don't want to live nowhere else. Let's just set the record clear. I like where I live. But I got a problem where I live, too. When the place of citizenship where I live trumps the scripture, I got to lean on scripture. Am I making sense here? Okay, okay, let me get back to my text and tell you this then. Paul and Silas aren't exercising any rights. Paul, Paul is a Roman citizen, yet he's being attacked by his own government, and you don't see him protesting. Why? He submitted to his higher citizenship. It's for following Christ that he finds himself in this position. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now, this is, circle that word pray. The word pray here, proskomahi, literally means to pray earnestly. To make prayer earnestly. And this word is used, very interesting, Reverend Tate, 25 times in the New Testament. And every time it's used, it's used in the term where one is literally um, leaning into their prayer. For example, let me give you another example. In Matthew 26, verse 39, the Bible says Jesus went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed in the garden saying, Oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Y'all get the picture there? He's praying in agony. That's the type of prayer Paul and Silas were praying. Y'all in here? But watch this. Watch this because it's interesting. The Bible says, Brother Mel, that they prayed and. Somebody say and. And they sang praises. Th that those two words go together. 
So literally, their prayers were their songs. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, the word praises and a praise is the word humanio in the Greek. It's where we get our word hymnal from. Y'all in here? They, they, they postomahi humanio. They were singing their prayers unto God. You tie the whole phrase together and you get a picture of worship in a horrible situation. Oh, I feel my help up here today. Literally, literally, they were praying and singing their hymns. They, they were praying and, and their praise could not be separated from their requests. They were praying and singing simultaneously, blending together their petition and praise. Uh, they, they made their appeal to God through song. It's kind of like that song the choir just saying, I give myself away. My God, I give myself away so you can use me. Y'all hear that right there? And you singing that song, but all hell is breaking loose in your life. All trouble is weighing you down. Somebody got their foot on your neck, but here you are talking about, here I am. Y'all hear me? Paul and Silas have been whipped and beat, and there they are. I give myself away. Y'all missed the picture. Let me rewind it. They in prison, in the hall, been beat, backs is tore up, fast in the stocks. I give myself away so you can you. Y'all ain't in here yet. They ain't robbed nobody. They ain't stole nothing. They ain't sold nothing. They just set somebody free. And it cost them their very life. And there they are in prison, in the hall, been beat with stripes in the stocks. I give myself away. <laughs> uh, that's worship. See, the real heart of a worshiper is will you praise him when the chips are down? Anybody can sing blessed in the city, Reverend White, when the checkbook is big. Anybody can talk about uh, where the brothers at, where the brothers, hey, when you got a job. And your kids is in college. Come on, talk to me. Your bills is good and health is good. Ain't nobody got cancer. You ain't worried about it. Of course you blessed in the city. But can you say blessed in the city when you in the stocks? When God chooses to bless you through suffering. I lost somebody right there. I lost somebody. See, see, I think I, I think I need to say what I said in Cape Town a few years ago. The blessing is not in the stuff. The blessing is in the suffering. If y'all can I just really pour it out on here? I'm out here now. Can I give it to you? The more you suffer, the more blessed you are. The child of God with opposition in their life is the child that God favors. It's like he says, watch this. I'm going to turn the heat up on Wilson. Because the heat is going to produce some stuff in him that I really need to get out of his body. And guess what? He going to worship me, Satan, in spite of what you do. Uh, 
All right, I'll get off of it. I'll get off of it. I know that. I'll get off of it. But here's what I'm trying to say. I'm learning the definition of worship in this text. is a reverent love and devotion of God. A ceremony of prayers and other religious forms expressed through adoration and gratitude for all he's done. Guys, I sat with pastors, man. No jobs. Church is struggling. No hope on the horizon. Satanic opposition against their lives. And yet, they embrace suffering. When I read to them from Paul's words to Timothy, all those who will live godly shall suffer persecution. They rejoice because they see their names in between the lies of scripture. And I marvel at the fact that they understand the call to pastor in tough terrain. I was talking to Sister Wilson on the phone in the airport last night. And there was another, I know he was a pastor, he was an older guy. And he was sitting about two seats over and he was bragging about his ministry to another pastor. And his ministry was trying to introduce, and it wasn't necessarily bad, health products to help other pastors and getting them to sign up for these various benefits. And I'm looking at him and I'm rewinding my feet tired, my back tired, come on. And I'm just leaving the field with these pastors. I'm saying, man, God, please don't let me get distracted. And this is what America does. Y'all, can I just vent for a minute? Y'all, just keep it to yourself, but can I vent? America, if we're not careful, will pull us away from what God says ministry is. America has a tendency to slap ministry on everything. Just because you give clothes to somebody don't mean it's ministry. It's service. But every service ain't rendered as ministry. He was doing a ministry that was a business to pad his pockets. Y'all hear me now? When the service you provide is to point somebody to Jesus, then it's ministry. But anything you're doing to fatten your pockets in the name of God ain't ministry. That's why Jesus is going to be able to say now on that day that many going to say to him, Lord, Lord, didn't I? He going to say, depart from me. Why? That wasn't ministry to me. That was your ministry. What, what's your motives? What's your motives? Paul and Silas got clear motives here that have set the captives free. And as they do this, they get in trouble for it. You know what I noticed? Nobody that ever has a ministry to bless themselves gets in trouble for it. Check it out. 
if your, your, your 501c3 is to help people in the name of the Lord, but you getting paid, you're probably not going to get no opposition. Are you in here? But if your ministry is to honor Christ and to save lives, you're going to have all kind of trouble. You might not ever, Angelus, become full-time. But stay at it. Why? Because opposition comes to those who've been called by God. I'm preaching myself through this this morning. Y'all in here? But I don't want nobody to leave here thinking that they was having a good time in the dungeon. No, it was not pleasurable, Sister Jackie, for them to be beat. It wasn't glamorous. Are you in here? It wasn't exciting or fun. They were there against their will. But nevertheless, while they were there, they would worship God in all his majesty. Men of our country... I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just prefacing, I'm just saying, we, we made suffering look glamorous. So we, know, we, we tattoo ourselves with stuff from the Bible. That looks glamorous. When that's the stuff they die for in third world countries. Are you with me here? We get bumper stickers. Slap me, I'm a Christian. Uh, country we 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 made Jesus a bumper sticker we made him a, a ecclesiastical bellhop call me and I'll pay your rent call me and I'll get you out of jail call me and I'll put your family back together and when it's just the opposite no no call me and I may separate your family Call me and I may send you to jail for my faith. Call me and I may allow somebody to take your life that I may be glorified. That's the Bible. Y'all in here? Paul and Silas, yeah. Because of that situation, we get to see their spirit. Their spirit on trial in the text. That's all I'm trying to say. Their spirit was, Reverend Tate, they had the spirit to worship him instead of question him, instead of get mad and quit. Ah, can I say some more? Too many quitters in North America. God don't ask your prayers, so you just quit giving. You quit coming. You quit praying. You quit studying your Bible. If I hear one more person tell me I'm mad at God, I'm going to throw up. Who gives you the right to be mad at the divine one? Who gives gravity on your behalf? You should just ask him, who, who paid the sun bill for you? Who told the oceans to hold the boundaries? Who, who, who put life and breath in your body? Talking about you mad at God. What, what if he got mad at you and turned off your air supply? What if he got mad at you and snapped common sense from your filthy mind? What if he got mad at you and turned you over to your old carnal nature? What if he got mad at you or got an attitude with you and decided to take one of your feet in the morning? What if God got mad with you and took the ability to stand, run, walk, talk, think? 
speak or even breathe away from you. Come on, you mad at God. You better get some act right. If God do anything for you, that's more than you deserve. You better get some act right. Who told you you were supposed to be healthy? Who told you you were supposed to have this and that? How come you can't have a little opposition? If God lets you do anything on this planet, that's more than you deserve. We got it twisted up in here. Can I tell you, we got it twisted up in here. If God lets me preach one more sermon, that's more than I deserve. The fact that he would give me a church blows my mind. Are you in here now? I'm mad at God. Paul and Silas get it right. Even though God that allows them to be persecuted and get trouble, in their trouble they have a spirit to worship him. Can I turn the corner right here? I know I'm going on and on, but I just want you to change your attitude today. Change your attitude to the Lord and have a spirit to worship him. Even when the chips are down. If he don't save your husband, worship him. If he never give you a man, worship him. If he don't give you a job, worship him. If he don't change your health condition, worship him. If he don't bless your babies, worship him. If he don't fix this or change that or ever get rid of that thing you struggling with, worship him. Why? He's worthy to be praised. Will you worship him? If the chips are down. I ain't going to play with you in here. You need to know the truth and the real about God is that he's worthy in spite of what you got. Can I say some more? He's worthy of worship. Can I give you about a dozen reasons? Because nobody else would do for you what God has done for you. <laughs> the fact that you made in his image, he's worthy of worship. The fact that he gave you a, a family to be in, he's worthy of worship. The fact that he wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, he's worthy of worship. The fact that he shed innocent blood out on the old rugged cross, he's worthy of worship. The fact that he gave you his spirit and placed it inside your body, he's worthy of worship. Y'all didn't hear me. I got about five more. Can you handle it? The fact that he put you on earth and don't seek it to rattle you. He's worthy of worship. If it don't rain no more in the Central Valley, the water he gave me ought to make me praise him. Am I talking to you right here? He gave me a right mind to even read the word. He's worthy of worship. Give me a kicker and a heart and eardrums and, and redness and all kind of blood cells and fingernails and hair follicles. He's worthy of worship. My legs don't work like they used to, but the fact that they work at all, he's worthy. Listen up, listen up. Get some act right up in here. Quit walking around here like you privileged, like you deserve something. If God gave you what he gave you, you ought to lose your mind praising him. No, y'all not feeling me. Come on in here. You ain't feeling me. I walked the streets this last week with people who don't even have shoes. And yet they got a song on their heart. 
their mouth is gay with people who don't even have shirts. They got a song on their heart. They ain't got groceries for the week. They just need them for the day. And they got a song in their heart. They ain't got cars. They ain't got stoves. They ain't got microwaves. They ain't got televisions. They ain't got jewelry. They ain't got cologne. They ain't even got deodorant. But they got a song in their heart. Y'all ain't hearing me in here. The greatest joy we, that I gave the pastor was a little bitty plastic baggie that had deodorant, a small thing, a toothpaste, a toothbrush, a, a Bible verse, and a washcloth. You would have thought it was Christmas. And stuff like that we don't even think about. They called it a blessing that God would think about them in America and send somebody over with a little bag to tell them stay on the field keep preaching the gospel y'all ain't hear me here and you crying cause your towels don't match each other you angry cause the line at Starbucks is too long Y'all hear me in here? We got it all wrong, y'all. If God do anything for you, that's more than you deserve. Well, I got to leave you now. I've been in here too long. But the brother's situation was they were told by God to experience persecution. The brother's spirit was they got it right. That in spite of them being chosen by God to endure the suffering, they was willing to worship them. But look at the good news. The Bible says, yes, that their salvation came because they had the right mentality. Instead of arguing with God or complaining about God, they had a mind to worship him. And salvation came. Watch this. Not salvation from their sins, but salvation from their situation. Can I argue a text right here? Sometimes, Tim, if you just worship long enough, your breakthrough will come. The Bible says that as they sang praises to God, that the earthquake came and suddenly the prison began to shake and prisoners who were inside of the prison all of a sudden their cells came open look at here y'all the same men who were inside suffering like them got a breakthrough because the Christians were worshipping I like the text Jackson because the Bible says that they heard Paul and Silas they heard Paul and Silas praying and singing praises to God. Can I tell you, their worship was for an audience of one. But there were some inmates who were ear hustling. And sometimes the world ear hustles in on the trials of the Christian. It's alright, new beginnings to let the world see you suffer. Because in seeing your suffering, they get to see God deliver you. Hang on, weary soldier. I know the night may be far spent, but hang on a little while longer. Somebody watching your suffering may be a beneficiary for the grace of God. I'm closing now, but I don't know what happened inside of that jail. But I do know that the shaking of the God caused the prison cell to fly wide open. 
of God that enabled the prisoners to now see grace and to experience their own salvation. Hang on, soldier. Don't get discouraged from the trials of this whole life because the hymns that we sing are going to be working for our advantage. And I think this is a good point, Sister Trina, to tell somebody, if you don't got a song, get yourself a song. A song that you can sing in the midnight hour. See, I've found out that singing makes all the difference. I've found out if I sing long enough in the midst of my trial, I'll get the right attitude. And when I get the right attitude, I'll change my altitude. And when I change my altitude, I do something for my aptitude. See, sometimes a song will make everything all right. And I heard the old saints sing. I got a feeling that everything is going to be all right. And when the trials of this world start to shackle me down, I reach back and grab one of them old hymns that I used to hear my mama singing. I, I got a song I love to sing. And I heard the old mama say, just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. Just a little walk with Jesus makes everything all right. Do you got a song today? If you don't have a song, borrow one from somebody. There's a couple of good songs out. You ought to borrow. Are you listening in here? How great is our God? How great is our God? There's another good song. He's mighty to save. That's a real good one right there. There's another good song. I am a friend of God. When trouble gets down, reach down. Here's where hip-hop can't help you. Here's where love songs don't make sense. But you got to reach down and grab something spiritual for the spiritual troubles and trials that'll tear up your life. Hey, are you in here with me? Yes. Mama used to say, I got a feeling that everything Just remember who you're singing to. I'm going to close when I tell you this. That S.M. Lockridge and this great sermon in which he closed in the church of San Diego talked about Jesus being a king. The king of all kings. The kingly status as the king of the church. Lockridge said he's the king who's the captain of the conquerors. As the king of the church, he's the head of the heroes. As the king of the church, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His 
is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy. And his burden light. He's indescribable, incomprehensible, invincible, and irresistible. The heavens can't contain him, let alone some explain him. You can't get him out of your mind, and you can't get him off your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. He's always been, and he always will be. He has no successor. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the conqueror of the cross. Lockridge said, he died. Didn't he die? He died to the earth, rocked and riddled. Didn't he die? Took the body down and Lockridge said, put him in another man's tomb and early, I said early, early Sunday morning, the father raised him up. That's the kind of king he is. He's a king with a kingdom in a faraway land. He's a king who rules and I'm glad to be ruled by that king. Oh heck, he's my king and I'm gonna bow. The Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. I got to quit preaching here, but you can bow now or be made to bow later. If I were you, I'd bow while my knees went voluntarily because on that side, there won't be voluntary bowing. The angels will make you bow to prostrate yourself before the king of glory. How to have victory in the joys of ministry. Let's give God some praise. Eternal God, our Father, thank you for today. Teach us how to be believers who are not ashamed of your gospel. Teach us to have the right perspective about the sufferings of this world. Teach us, oh God, that even when the chips are down, to give you what's yours. Forgive us this hour when we've been pompous, prideful, carrying around a privilege card. Forgive us. Grant us again the grace of humility, the understanding of what true ministry really is.